Welcome to Awaken Podcast. I hope you enjoy the teaching. Okay, friends. Welcome, welcome, welcome. If you weren't here when I started this gathering, um, welcome to you. My name's Mike. I'm one of the pastors here. Um, I was just telling some friends there are a few cards in the back. Uh, if you volunteer at Awaken, you haven't picked up your card, they're in the back. We'd not like to mail them, so if you could pick them up. And the, the reason I'm saying this one final time is that there is a gift card for Wildflower Coffee in that. So it's not just a card that you're going to throw away, you know. You open a card, you're like, oh, thanks for volunteering. Signed the staff. It's like, that's nice. Thank you. There's more, friends. There's a gift card in there. And that coffee shop opens next Saturday on West 7th, right over here, Wildflower, one of our, well, we serve their coffee, so that's great. Um, So you're going to want to pick that up. Okay. Um, If you're new to Awaken, uh, special welcome to you. We would love to know that you're with us, so in the seat pockets in front of you there, or the pews, or online, you can let us know that you're with us. Somebody from our team will reach out, invite you to a beverage of your choice. We'll probably go to Wildflower or somewhere else nearby. Um, And if you have tithes or offerings uh, this morning, you support the church financially, those cards and the dollars, cards, checks can go in black boxes. This is starting off well. Um, We have a lot of things happening in the life of the church, so stick with me just for a moment. I want to let you know about a couple of them. Um, The first of which is there is a second half of life meeting coming up this week, March the 9th. Um, Yep, that's this week, and that's happening from 6 to 8 p.m. It's at the Frizzell's house in Minneapolis, so the details of that will come to you if you register for it. Um, There's a 40 Orchard study happening uh, two weeks from this weekend, March the 18th on Saturday. So this is a, we'll do these two more times. We've done it twice, two more. We'll study for part of the day and then we'll have dinner together led by our friends at 40 Orchards. Really, really great opportunity to study scripture together uh, and have a meal. So I want to invite you to that. There is, um, in the prayers of the people this morning, you heard about Jonathan House. One of our partners in ministry is IAFR. We just got a letter from them, actually, a little email, noting all the things that are happening in that ministry. So they've got, like, people in Malawi. They have people in Ukraine and Slovakia helping with the efforts there. They have people in France helping, like, minors and teenagers who are trying to find homes. Um, Lots and lots of work at IAFR. One of the things they do is asylum seekers here in Minnesota. And they have a place called the Jonathan House, multiple locations. There's a uh, breakfast, like a community meal that they do once a month. That's on March the 18th. So if you're interested in joining, anyone's welcome. And you can just go and hang out with asylum seekers and have a meal. Um, the details of that are in the Awaken Weekly. So look for that. That's there. Uh, there is a guess who's coming to dinner coming. So we're looking for hosts. If you're, look, if you're, if you're interested in hosting a meal... Kathy's leading that, and you can sign up for that. It's March the 25th, and she can tell you more about it. And then last but not least, on March 19th, we are having a little family meeting. So uh, after the second gathering, uh, an ECC update. So if you are a partner at Awaken or if you're an interested party, a a member, but just haven't become a, a, a partner yet, um, lots going on in our denomination, if you've been following along in the, the, the saga that is the ECC. And we want to update you on that um, as we kind of prepare for the annual meeting, which is coming in June. So that's the 19th, after the second gathering. Bring a lunch if you'd like. 
uh, and we'll have a uh, Q&A, uh, an update, and um, we'd love some feedback uh, on your thoughts. So, does that sound good? Okay. Now everyone take a deep breath. <sighs> the announcements are over. Um, if you have a Bible, we're in Mark chapter 14. This is the second Sunday of Lent. So Lent is the 40 days before Easter minus the six Sundays. Traditionally, a season of preparation. Um, it's connected to, in Scripture, this number 40, which we've actually done a whole teaching series on in the past. 40 is like a gestational period where something is growing, a transition is happening. Uh, and Christians throughout history have um, connected to the movement from death to resurrection in Lent. So last week we looked at the, the anointing of Jesus at Bethany, where a woman anoints Jesus' head with oil. We talked about how um, Jesus says this will be her memory and, um, during Lent, right? Asking these kind of intentional questions about what will, what will your memorial be? What will the memory of you be? Um, we talked about the idea that Jesus is found in the wrong place at the wrong time with the wrong people often. Um, we talked about this idea that... Um, there were a number of men in the story who missed Jesus for who he was, and then a woman, an unnamed woman, who saw Jesus for who he was. Uh, and then this, um, this idea that Jesus says, I, will only, I, I won't always be with you, and so being fully present to our lives that are here and now, not the ones we wish, not the ones we grieve, you know, but like here and now, can we be present to those seasons that we're in. So today, we make our way with Jesus and the disciples into one of the most important nights of, of the Jewish life, and that is the Passover. So this morning, what I want to do is I want to try, I want to attempt to take a bunch of what I assume to be majority, right? There's always exceptions to the rule. A bunch of majority, like Protestant, evangelical-ish, post-evangelical people, like a little deeper into Jewish life. Um, I'm not Jewish. I didn't grow up Jewish. So you're being the blind are leading the blind here. But there's a lot of resources out there that I'm drawing from. And I want to try to like get us into this passage, this story, right? We read these stories in the Gospels. They're familiar to us, right? This is the Last Supper. Jesus is with his disciples. They, you know, send him into the town, uh, find a room, prepare it for us, blah, blah, blah. But like what's actually happening here? So we're going to have to go back a little bit to fill in some of the backstory as to like why this meal was so important. And we're going to talk a little bit about ceremony and ritual. And hopefully, as we do that, some things will become clear about the, um, the alarming thing that Jesus does in this passage. The thing that would have surprised everybody in the room, that they all would have kind of gone like, what did he just say? Did he just say that? Why is he doing that? But we read it and we just kind of like, oh yeah, that sounds great. So hopefully that will happen for you today where you're like, oh my gosh, that's pretty interesting. And then... Um, that will, I hope, inform your um, participation in Eucharist for the rest of your life. So, um, no big deal. <laughs> uh, that's, that's what we're going to do today. Um, many of the rabbis, the people who study the scriptures, Jewish folks, would argue that Genesis is the, um, the prologue to the Bible. So, of course, you know the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. And we think that the first book of the Bible is the beginning of the Bible. But a lot of Jewish people, a lot of rabbis, a lot of scholars would argue that the, the Genesis is actually the prologue. It's sort of the, the, uh, the on-ramp, and the story actually begins in the book of Exodus. The book of Exodus in Hebrew is called Shemot, because the, the Hebrew books are named by the first like words of the text. And in Exodus, it begins with, these are the names of those who went down from or went down to Egypt with Joseph and his family. So the, the book of Exodus is called The Names. Um, 
The descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob find themselves in Egypt. They've gone there because there's a famine in the land. And there is a Pharaoh who knew not Joseph. Uh, This Pharaoh begins to oppress the people of Egypt, and they find themselves enslaved for like 400 years, right? This is the the beginning of the book of Exodus. And chapter 2 ends with this great little passage that has these four words that actually... uh, Ironically enough, we didn't plan this, but Deanna, you mentioned a number of them in your prayer this morning. But it ends with, now it happened in the process of time that the king of Egypt died. Then the children of Israel groaned because of the bondage, and they cried out, and their cry came up to God because of bondage. So God heard their groaning. God remembered his covenant with them, uh, with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. God looked upon the children of Israel, and God acknowledged them. God knew them. The same word is used for, like, knowing and intimacy. So that's the end of chapter 2 of Exodus. And then we meet Moses in chapter 3 at the burning bush. Chapter 4, Moses meets Yahweh, and he gets this invitation to liberate the people of Egypt. In chapter 5, we meet Pharaoh. And then chapter 6 through 11 are like the, the plagues and the, the negotiation that goes back and forth between Moses and Pharaoh. Moses and Pharaoh, let my people go, and then he doesn't, and then the plagues come. So that's chapter 6 to 11. And chapter 12 is the story of, or the, the plague of the Passover where the the angel of death passes over the houses of the Egyptians and the firstborn is killed. Um, The Israelites are given specific instructions about what to do that night. Sacrifice an unblemished lamb. They're to take hyssop, like a plant, and dip it in the blood and wipe that over the doorpost of their home, which is to be a sign to the angel to pass over their homes. They are to eat unleavened bread because they're going to leave Egypt in haste and they're to eat bitter herbs because of the bitterness of slavery. And this is the first Passover. They're to do this every single year on the same time, at the same time in the calendar in order to sort of uh, remind them of this event. This is called the Passover. And then in Leviticus 23, we get this sort of um, uh, map for the calendar year of Israel where uh, God says these are the appointed times and there are a number of festivals that are laid out. And Passover is the first one. It begins in the spring and it sort of kicks off the calendar year. Everybody still tracking with me? Just a little backstory of the Bible, all right? Now, um, ceremony and ritual in Jewish life. Uh, Again, in Jewish culture... Uh, even still today, but certainly in biblical times, but even today, there are, there's a ceremony and a ritual for nearly everything. If you're an oral culture and you don't write anything down, how do you remember anything? You ritualize it. You make a, a memorial out of it. You have some sort of liturgy that you do in order to remember that thing that happened. And so betrothal and Passover are two of those ceremonies. I want to just sort of walk through each of them, and then we're going to put them together in Luke chapter 14, all right? So the first one is betrothal. So uh, betrothal is, of course, the, a different word for engagement. So when uh, two people, and I'm going to talk a lot about marriage in this metaphor here. And in the scripture, the, marriage, uh, the marriages that are talked about are male and female. If you are not included in that or people that you love aren't included in that, you can go back to some of the passages that we've studied earlier because we want to include those folks at Awaken. Everyone tracking? Okay. Um, so uh, a betrothal in a Jewish culture. Here's how this would work. I'm going to just sort of walk through this uh, timeline. There would be a selection of a bride. So two families would get together, and it was an arranged marriage. They would determine that this is a good financial thing, mostly, uh, and these two people, a young boy and young girl, would be married. Uh, There would be a mohar, it's called, or a dowry. 
If you have a daughter and your daughter is going to be married into another family, you would lose a valuable asset. You would lose the possibility for more children for your family. You would lose like household workers, um, all kinds of things. And so that was a a deficit that you would incur. And so a, a groom's family would pay a price that was agreed upon in order to uh, make this marriage happen. That was called a dowry. There would be a ketubah or a betrothal contract. So there was an actual contract that was written and that would be given to the father of the, the bride and agreed upon, but not before, for you ladies in the room, not before a bride would give her consent. Um, if you go back to the story of Rebecca. In Genesis chapter 24, it says, uh, Rebecca was asked, will you go with this man? And she said, I will go, right? So she has a say in this matter, kind of. <laughs> uh, then there was a cup. So once there was, a, there was a contract and the bride gave her consent, there was a, a cup of wine. And the young boy would come and he would stand before the girl with a cup of wine and he would offer her this cup of wine. And it, it was like a, a, an offering from him to her and by drinking it, and, and uh, receiving it, she was saying, yes, I do. Like, I will, I will marry you. I, will you marry me? Yes, I will, right? She drinks the cup. And essentially, she says, I won't drink it again until I drink it with you at our marriage ceremony later. And in between, we're going to be faithful to one another. We're going to prepare for this thing that's coming down the way. That's all happening in the giving of this cup. There's a gift for the bride, so he would bring some kind of symbol or, or keepsake so she could remember him in his absence because he would go away, the, the, the groom. Uh, and he would leave and go back to his father's house, and he would begin to prepare, literally, a home for her. So he would go back to his home, and he would start constructing and add on to his dad's house, and that's where they would then live. Um, there was the consecration of the bride where she was set apart and uh, sort of to remain pure and holy until the wedding. And then, this was a wild one, like, nobody knew when it would happen, right? It was like, the guy would go back to his house, and he's constructing, doing his thing, and when it was all ready and prepared, like, sometimes in the middle of the night, like, you wouldn't know it was coming, almost like a thief in the night, he would come. Like, I feel like we've heard this before. But there would be, he would come, he'd like, gather up, he's like, we're ready for this thing, we're going to do it. And he would go, and he would, there would, a shofar would blow, and the bride would be like, all right, we're doing this. And the family would go, and they would carry her, literally, they would carry her back, to the place where the wedding would be, there would be a, a marriage ceremony the, under the, the chuppah, uh, you know, mazel tov. I don't know if they did that back then, but they do that now. And then there would be a seven-day, up to seven-day feast where they would celebrate the marriage of this couple, right? That was all connected to, like, the ceremony of how one would become engaged and married in Jewish culture. Still tracking? Okay. Now, um, Passover. Jesus in Mark chapter 14. Jesus is in Jerusalem. This is the last week of his life. He's traveled with all the other pilgrims back to Jerusalem to celebrate this day, this day of all days in Jewish life, the great story of liberation of, of the, the Israelite people from oppression and slavery. And this meal had become like a performance art. It had become liturgy. There was a whole kind of... Um, gala, like a, a, a construction of the evening in the way it would go. Now that has morphed over time and things have been added uh, since then and we don't know exactly how it would have gone then. But by then, there would have been some kind of liturgy and some sort of order to this gathering. And you would have celebrated it every single year as a young Jewish boy or, or girl growing up in a Jewish home. There's a couple of things that are present in a Jewish Passover meal. Here they are on the screen behind you. The first one is the karpas, which is parsley. Um, this was to symbolize the hyssop that they would take and sort of mark the doorpost with blood. 
There was um, a, a bitter herb, horseradish often, that was to mark the bitterness of slavery that their forefathers endured. There was the lamb itself, some kind of meat that was uh, cooked and prepared in a particular way to, to commemorate the Passover lamb that was sacrificed. There's this cheroseth, um, which is like a, it's nuts and sometimes fruit and dates and sort of mashed all together that became like a mortar, almost like a paste. And that was to symbolize, of course, the mortar from the bricks of Egypt. There was um, another bitter herb, often romaine lettuce, like uh, sort of strong. Um, uh, the idea was that it was um, soft in the, in the beginning and ended hard in Egypt. There's a boiled egg, which is to sort of the um, symbol of daily sacrifice and reconciliation with God. And then added to that later is matzah. There are these three different matzah breads. One of them is broken and hidden, and the kids like go looking for that during the meal while the adults have their conversation. So all of these things are a part of it. And then, of course, there is salt water. So you would dip certain things in salt water, the, the tears that were shed during Egypt, and wine. Four cups of wine for the four I wills of Exodus chapter 6. All right? And there was a whole uh, script for the Passover meal. So you'd begin with prayers and washing of hands. There was the drinking of a first cup. You'd dip the, the, the um uh, the parsley in the salt water, and you'd eat it. You'd break the matzah bread. The story of the Passover was told. So the youngest child in the room would ask, like, what about this night is special? And they'd ask four questions. Why matzah? Um, why, um, why bitter herbs? Why do we dip twice when we don't dip at all other nights? Why do we recline on this night and not other nights? And this would sort of uh, invite the, the patriarch to retell the story of Passover. You would drink the second cup of wine. Matzah was broken. The, the meat was eaten. Um, the third cup of wine, right? All through. And then at the, at the very end, you'd sing praises from the Psalms, and a fourth cup of wine was poured. And then at the last thing, you'd raise all those cups, and you'd say, next year in Jerusalem, right? The hope is that we would do this again in Jerusalem. Now, why would I go through all the trouble to tell you all of these things? Jesus is in a room with his disciples, these are all Jewish boys. They would have grown up in a Hebrew household. They would have celebrated this meal every single year. By now, 18, 19, 20, they would have become very familiar with it, and they would all know the script. They were like studying Torah. They were like following Jesus in his footsteps, trying to do what he did. What that script did not include was everything Jesus says in the upper room. Right? He says, this is my body, take and eat. This cup is my blood, take it, drink it, and I will not drink it again until I drink it with you in the new covenant. Right? So there's a script for Passover, and they would have known it. And Jesus starts like veering off of it. This is a huge moment. He deviates from what they would have known to be true, and he fuses together in this moment a betrothal ceremony line. So when I was 22 years old, you can imagine me um, far less mature and way more, um, well, hyper. <laughs> uh, Laura and I had been dating for like a year and a half, and I decided, yep, I think she's the one. So I wrote a song. Yeah, no, no, uh, you will not hear it. No way, Jose. Nope. I actually... Because I'm not a songwriter, I, re I rewrote the words to the, song to the melody of another song. That's actually what I did. 
I will not tell you what the song is, in case you want to know. You will not get that out of me. You might get it out of Laura, but, but I'm not going to tell you. It's very embarrassing. <laughs> Either way, I prepped for this night. I, uh, so Cheesecake Factory was one of our favorite restaurants because we didn't know anything about dining. Like Cheesecake Factory, we thought was cool. So there's one on 16th Street Mall down in downtown Denver. If you've ever been there, we've been there multiple times to celebrate, you know, important nights. So I go down there early and I talk to the maitre d', the manager, the, the 21-year-old at the front. Uh, and I'm like, there's going to be a big night. It's going to happen right here at the Cheesecake Factory and I need you. And he's like, What? Like, I'm, I want to ask my, my girlfriend to marry me, and I'm going to do it here at the Cheesecake Factory. Like, can we, can we do this? He's like, oh, yeah, we're in. That is what we do at the Cheesecake Factory. We make dreams come true. So we got, I pick, I'm like, we got to be in this booth, and I hid a video camera in a plant. Yeah. So the video camera's in the plant. I got my roommates in on this. I got all Laura's roommates in on this. I had a whole party planned after it because I knew she was going to say yes. I told her roommates, she, I was like, okay, you guys go to dinner with Laura and just say you're going to go to the bathroom. In all of my you know, year and a half, never has, she doesn't do that. She doesn't get up to go to the bathroom with other girls. So she'll stay at the table. I'm, I'm banking on it. <laughs> I'm in the bathroom, the men's bathroom, with a guitar. So you can imagine if you had, like, I was like, I got to go to the bathroom. And you walk in, and there's, like, a mint, like somebody ready to sing to you. And I'm like, guys, it's not for you. I'm asking my girlfriend to marry me. So they come, they knock on the door, and sure enough, I go out there, and I start playing. At this point, the kitchen staff is, they're all out. Like, this is a big night at the Cheesecake Factory. So I get down, I sing my song, you know, I do the deal. And then I get down on one knee, and I say, Laura Dooley. Will you marry me? And she, oh, I got the ring. Yeah, I got the ring, right? I said, will you marry me? And she, you know. No, she said yes. She said yes. Her father-in-law, on the other hand, when I called to ask him, like, for permission to marry his daughter, he, he literally said, Micah, I'm going to have to call you back. <laughs> so that was a terrible two hours. Uh, but Laura said, Laura said yes. Laura said yes. So celebration happens, you know, she puts the ring on, and then, uh, you know, we go back to her apartment afterwards. Everyone's waiting. It's a big party. It's a celebration. And then there's nine months between when we were engaged and when we were married. And we got married at 11 o'clock in the afternoon on a Saturday, you guys, because the place we wanted to get married was only open that day at 11. So we did it. One of my big regrets of my wedding day. Who wants to go to a a wedding at 11 o'clock? Like, the dance party was so lame. It's like everyone's just fully there. Like you can see everything, you know, no alcohol, no night, no darkness. It was terrible. It's terrible. Our, our, the, you guys, the, the, the person in charge of the catering at the cafeteria at our college was our caterer for our wedding. I just remember there was a giant bowl of mayonnaise. You know, like Cisco had showed up at our wedding. Back up the semi-truck. It's the Witham wedding. 
So there was nine months between our engagement and our wedding. And in that time, like, we prepared for this thing that was going to happen. We readied ourselves. We remembered. We looked back on all the things that our relationship was built on, all the moments that we shared together, the makeout sessions, you know, the places that we went, like, all the things. And in the nine months, we waited, we prepped, we got ready. And then on the day, July the 10th, 2000, and no, 1999, Laura said, I do. And I said, I do. And we solemnized our vows, and then we had a terrible party afterwards. And now we're living in the, the celebration of the dream of marriage, if that's what you can call it. <laughs> the reality of marriage. There was a period of time between yes and I do, between engagement, betrothal, and marriage, where we readied ourselves and we remembered the things that we were committed to. And we looked forward to the thing that would be. And then that moment came and we said yes. And we were both like faithful to one another. Till death do us part, right? Jesus invites his disciples. So Jesus is in this room and they're doing Passover. And then he brings in a betrothal ceremony. Where he says, will you drink this cup? Like you can imagine a young boy standing in front of a bride-to-be and saying, offering himself, saying, will you have me? Will you take me as yours? I promise to be faithful to you. Will you be faithful to me? While we ready ourselves for the day that will come, where we'll celebrate together with our family and everyone we love, and I won't drink of this cup again until I drink it with you anew in my Father's kingdom. What is he doing if he's not saying, will you marry me? Will you be mine? And he says, take this body, which is my body, broken for you, a Passover lamb sacrificed in Egypt, but today, this day, it's a different deal. There's a new covenant, a, one sacrifice that will be for all. And he shifts the whole story. He takes the metaphor and all the symbolism and all the things, and he begins to reapply it. And reinvite the, the disciples into a new, a, a, a new vision for the future. Will you drink this cup? Will you eat this bread? Will you say yes? Will you, will you, will you now live between yes and I do? You, the church... You who have come to this table before, or maybe never before, but maybe for the first time today. That's what's happening in this moment. That's the invitation that you're given. A God who says, here I am, Hineni. Often in scripture, we think that people say Hineni to God. But every time you come to the table, this is the divine here I am for you. Jesus promising to be faithful. So will you remember when you come to this table the promises that you've made? Will you remember the moments that you've had where you've experienced God as faithful? Will you think back to the times when you thought you were alone and yet there was this odd accompaniment of the presence of the divine Will you remember the sweet moments of intimacy? Will you remember the faithfulness? 
So for those of you who have committed your lives to following the way of Jesus, I hope that you never experience this table the same. I hope that every time you come to it, you think of that moment, what's happening in this moment. Maybe if you've never done it before, maybe if you've not committed your life to Christ, maybe if you have but you're not sure if you're sticking with it or not, an invitation to you this morning to see it anew, to experience it afresh, maybe in a different way. So as you prepare yourself to come to this table, it's a big deal. I remember when I was a kid, it was always really somber. You know, the suits would come up, all the men with their suits, and they'd stand there like... It was like, confess your sins, you don't want to come to the table. And it was a really serious deal. But it is a serious deal. It's a big deal. It's a celebration. It's full of joy as well. It's a moment of intimacy and love and, and beauty. But it is a big deal. And so as you prepare yourself today to come to this table that we come to every week, maybe a couple of questions to consider as you, as you do. In this next moment of silence, will you remember a moment or a season that God has been faithful to you? Would you remember maybe something that you've been liberated from? This is a story of Passover. This is a story of liberation. Like being enslaved, I can't get out. And freedom coming to you as a gift. Or maybe something that you need to be liberated from. That you want to be free from. Or maybe will you remember a sweet moment, a season of communion, of intimacy with God? So I'm going to offer a word of prayer, and then we'll invite you to come to this table. God, this morning as we gather as your church, your people, I pray that your spirit would even now be moving and working in this room, that we would have eyes to see and ears to hear what you might be inviting us to reminding us of, calling us into. So, Holy Spirit, do your work and help us to hear. As we close this morning, we want to invite you to the table of the Lord. <clears throat> Eucharist means good gift in its language. And so, um, as you make your way forward, I hope that you keep all these things in mind. And uh, you hear and sense the invitation, the reminder, the promise of the divine, of God's faithfulness and welcome um, and desire of you. And as you come and you stand before that cup and that bread, that you would say yes again, that today would be a, a recommitment to prepare yourself to be faithful, to live the Jesus way until that day when we gather around what John the Revelator calls the marriage supper of the Lamb, where every tribe and every tongue and every nation will gather, recognizing God for who God is, which will be a beautiful day. So, come and eat, my friends. To the church gathered in St. Paul, receive this blessing as you go. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord lift up his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance to you and give you peace. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the church said together with joy in their hearts, amen, amen. Grace and peace, friends. Find us online 
at www.awakencommunity.com or on Facebook at www.facebook.com backslash Awaken Community or on Twitter at Awaken Community. See you next time.